a uh, healthcare worker put mm-hmm. me down as being retarded on my notes because I was just laying motionless, not doing anything. One of the brilliant things at that school was I wasn't treated as Mark who is blind. I was mm-hmm. just treated as Mark. Do you belong to a small town? Are you struggling to make it big in a big city? Do you want to learn principles to get to the next level? Well, you are at the right place. Welcome to the podcast, Small Town, Bigger Dreams, where I help you with some principles, guest interviews and stories to help you make it big. Good morning, afternoon, evening, people who are listening this podcast. And believe me, this is going to be a podcast-only episode of Inspirational Interview. I am so, so excited to have my next guest, uh, Mark Best. Mark is being uh, uh, blind by birth, but it's not about this that has inspired me. What has inspired me is his leadership ability, is his uh, willingness to take up different roles and do various kind of things. So thank you so much, Mark, first of all, for agreeing to be on this show. You're welcome. And uh, greetings, everybody. Thank you, Mark. So uh, would you mind summarizing your life journey? I know it's a difficult task, but summarizing your life journey in the next few minutes, uh, uh, what all things you have done and what all kind of experiences have you gone through before we really deep dive no, into it? No problem at all. I guess it all started when I was born really that's a great time for everybody's life to start Mm -hmm. and when I was six weeks old I was diagnosed with having glaucoma the specialist who'd been working for 30 years in his field as an ophthalmologist in Maidstone ophthalmic hospital in Kent had only on two occasions seen glaucoma in a baby normally glaucoma which is a buildup of fluid which causes the detachment of retina, which eventually damages the optic nerve, normally only occurs in those of advanced age. So to see this in a baby uh, in quite such a bundle of perfection was indeed um, (coughs) quite an eye-opener for him. And yes, you'll notice that I do put in uh, humour in what I'm saying because I think that is so important. My mum obviously went into total meltdown because glaucoma has been in her family uh, for years. and She was rather hoping that uh, I'd avoided it, but uh, I hadn't. <coughs> At the first 18 months of my life were spent in and out of Moorfields Eye Hospital in London, one of the top hospitals in the UK that deals with eye surgery. Every two or three weeks, I would visit the hospital on on alternate occasions for an operation or just for exploratory tests to see if they could find any kind of reaction at all visually. One of the things that alerted my mum to uh, possibly something being slightly different was I was always a sleepy baby. Uh, 
very usually very content until somebody touched me without warning they went to pick me up and gave me a cuddle and didn't talk to me uh, that's when I would scream the place down because I was in shock mode and the reason mm-hmm. for that is because of the glaucoma my eyes were very tightly shut because mm-hmm. the sunlight was hurting my eyes so mm-hmm. I found it better to keep my eyes shut mm-hmm. so that's sort of how how the uh, how it all began um, a uh, health care worker put mm-hmm. me down as being retarded on my notes because I was just laying motionless, not doing anything. Uh, I wonder if that healthcare worker knows that some 52 years later, I'm now running my own business as a piano tuner. But there we go. Just thought I'd slip that in. Um, <laughs> I went to a school for the blind in Seven Oaks in Kent. And one of the brilliant things at that school was I wasn't treated as Mark who is blind. I was Mm -hmm. just treated as Mark. And I was allowed to run around, get into scrapes and do things that children do, uh, get into naughty situations. Mm -hmm. I think the worst thing I ever did was plan an escape route for two boys. I was (laughs) kind of the the, the brains behind it. We don't tell everybody about that, do we? Oh, I've just been reminded this goes out worldwide. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Our audiences are very noble, so they won't hurt you. (laughs) (laughs) Just as well. So I left school at 16. I managed to achieve some exams. I had Mm -hmm. a a, a one in what we used to call them CSEs at the time, and now I think GCSEs in the Mm -hmm. UK. Mm -hmm. That's where you take sort of your final exams at school. I got a one in music. I've always been very musical. Love music, love playing music, love listening to music and a two in English language and history and I think I got a C in O-level sociology which I was quite pleased about because I'd only been doing the subject for six months and everything I wrote down in the exam we hadn't even covered in the sociology so I was absolutely pleased with that mm-hmm. and a, a religious, religious, religious knowledge uh, grade C mm-hmm. in that one. Mm-hmm. I then went to Hereford to a college for the blind called Royal National College and I served one year the business studies, learning how to, to set up a business and possibly run a business and submit invoices, etc. And then I did three years of piano tuning and I left college in 1990 and set up my own business, a self-employed piano tuner. And that's what I've been doing ever since. That's amazing, amazing, Mark. So uh, you, you have done a few things and... and couple of lines that actually struck me one was when you said that nurse considered you retarded and there's no future and hope for it and then uh, you did went on to do so many things in life and I know you have not been talking about public speaking things and we'll touch about it in a bit Uh, the second things which really struck me is when you said when you went into that school of Ken you were treated as mark not the mark the blind which is really really uh, crucial part in in our society nowadays. You no, know, whether it's uh, uh, someone like you or anyone having any sort of you no know, disability or special ability, as they say, they should be treated as individual, not the one with the those special conditions. So, uh, thank you for sharing that, and this is really really You're inspiring. No now, problem at all. Now, uh, it it really gave me make me more inquisitive about uh, public speaking. So. Uh, how did Mark became the Mark public speaker to say and, and 
Yeah, we'll talk about you also where the one of the chartering members of Basic Stoke Speakers. You are you have been past president of Basic Stoke Speaker. You have been doing the club secretary role for two years in a row, which in itself is a big achievement. Uh, so how did you it's came actually, across? It's actually longer than that. I've been secretary because I took a break while I was president. Wow! So I, wow. <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, that's okay. Let me take you back to before I joined. Uh, Basingstoke speakers. As uh -huh. part of my work, I, I do disability awareness presentations and I label this as a talk called How Not to Help the Blind. It's the uh, the weird things that happen when, when we meet the general public. Uh, yes, that's you guys out there, the odd things that you say to us as people with little or no sight. So how not to help the blind. So I've been going around to women's institutes, church groups, uh, sometimes youth groups, sometimes on my own, sometimes as part of a team with, with uh, multiple disabilities. So we've had a, a guy demonstrating wheelchair work, what he can do in his wheelchair. Uh, and we also did a demonstration by simulation. So we actually put people in a situation of being disabled. We put them uh, in a situation of being blind. Uh, or in a wheelchair, and some of the stories I could tell you are absolutely wonderful. Uh, they might even make your eyes water if you're really lucky. Um, but I had an opportunity as part of a, an organisation called FAB, which was originally uh, physically handicapped and able-bodied. Here in the UK, we try not to use the word handicapped because it goes back to street corners, cap in hand, begging right. for your own survival. Right. Uh, somebody approached me one day and said, how would you fancy uh, joining a speakers club? This was when I lived in Kent. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I was intrigued. Speakers club. Yes, I've heard of Toastmasters, but she said this is nothing to do with Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I did join that speakers club and served, I think it was about 11 years in that club. Uh, wow. Once again, undertaking varying roles like president and um didn't do too much secretary work but it was mainly president um, but so a lot of what I use in Toastmasters I've been able to pick up in the speakers club in mm -hmm. Kent because actually it's amazingly similar mm -hmm. uh, when I came to Basingstoke I once one day did a, an internet search for Basingstoke speakers club hoping to find something what I've been used to in Kent mm -hmm. unfortunately I didn't uh, however the successful result of that was me stumbling across Toastmasters <laughs> and uh, I joined joined Toastmasters I think it was 2015 mm -hmm. uh, those who would know me would go to scroll through records probably uh, to give more correct info I'm going for 2015 wow so uh, yes with a lot of encouragement from my club mm -hmm. um, sometimes altering the agenda to accommodate my needs as someone who is blind for example when doing an evaluation, which for those of you who are not in speaking mode, uh, means that you get the chance as an experienced member of the audience to say what you found worked or maybe didn't work. We call it commend, recommend and commend right. uh, in, in a sort of sandwich. So you, you give your feedback mm -hmm. as a critique to the person who is giving the speech. So I found that to, to do evaluations, the only way that I could successfully do it would be to give my evaluation as soon after the speech as is mm -hmm. possible. Mm -hmm. uh, now that my club are very flexible in this because normally when you do evaluations, it, that takes place a long time 
after the speech, sometimes an hour or maybe an hour and a half after the speech. Right. So actually having to remember that is quite a problem. Uh, so I don't have the ability to take notes in the same mm -hmm. way as you good people with sight would do. Mm -hmm. So my club are amazingly flexible and are happy to let me do my evaluation pretty much straight after, which is brilliant. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and we know what value do you bring to the speech evaluation and, and thank you for doing all of those. And you've been doing okay. so many uh, remarkable roles uh, throughout, throughout the time I have been associated with Basing Stoke Club, which is roughly one and a half years now, if I may say so. Now let's yeah. talk a little bit about uh, a deep question. And in my interview, I generally uh, talk people about uh, we all boast about success that we have I've done this, I've done that. But there, but there are times in our life where we have faced failures, we have faced setbacks, we have sort of gone through a bad phase. And, and if we reflect and, and think about that, we get a lot of learnings out of that. So do you remember any of such occurrences, any of such failures or setbacks and what have been your learnings out of those? Um, learning as a, as a leader, um, I have been yep. chairman of a, a few organisations, including mm -hmm. ex-pupils association of my old school. Mm -hmm. And I always said when I took on the role of any chairmanship, uh, I will be making mistakes mm -hmm. because I don't believe that the perfect chairman ever exists. Yes. Uh, one of the things I know that I'm good at, one of the strengths I know I have is being able to facilitate a meeting and try and keep things moving during the meeting. Maybe I'm not so hot at the outside meeting communication with, with members. Mm -hmm. Maybe I need to work on that. So learning, uh, learning where you've gone wrong and, and uh, trying to put right the mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, you're only as good as the club allow you to be as a leader. True. And I find if, if you can delegate, no point in taking on all the roles yourself. The idea of leadership is to learn to delegate, to learn to say to somebody, well, actually, you would do this job much better. Please, mm -hmm. would you take this on? Because yeah. I'm not able to do this. But so mm -hmm. learning how to delegate. In the UK, we say there's no point in having a dog and barking yourself. <laughs> yeah. So delegation, delegation, delegation always works for me. Mm -hmm. Great. I think that that's a supreme quality of a leader to learn about delegation, the art of delegation. And, and there are so many trainings people undergo just to learn the art of delegation. So you you pointed out uh, a very important aspect. Uh, but I'm, I'm a little bit hungry. <laughs> I want to know more about leadership qualities and your experiences. Apart from delegation, what are the other two, three uh, qualities that you see as a leader uh, and, and that helps everyone? In terms of facilitating a meeting, you mm -hmm. are the one in control as a leader. Mm -hmm. And it's up to you to make sure that that meeting runs smoothly. And quite a lot of the time, that does mean listening to other people. Um, certainly when I do my evaluations, the thing that runs through my mind is, how would I want this to be received if I was being evaluated? Mm -hmm. And the motto here is uh, do as you would be done by. So basically you treat others as you would wish to be treated yourself. And that means if that means gently, then so be it. 
Awesome, awesome. So listening and treating others as you want want to be treated, and that that does remind me of the quote from Mahatma Gandhi, uh, which is exactly the same: that be the change you want to see in the world. Uh, now uh, let's talk a little bit more about uh, what's a message for the people who are listening here. Uh, in terms of audience, we have a lot of young folks, a lot of college graduates, a lot of young professional. So if Mark Best needs to give them two or three tips for their uh, better future, what would those be? One of the big tips I found in life is say what you mean, mean what you say, but don't be mean with what you say. Mm. And once again, I go back to treat others as you would wish to be treated yourself. Mm-hmm. Any other That's, tips? Yeah. Um, be yourself. Enjoy your achievements. Enjoy mm -hmm. your successes. Because uh, if if you are successful, these successes will come along very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, learn from your mistakes. Don't be don't beat yourself up about your mistakes. It's very easy to have hang-ups. Oh, I shouldn't have done this 15 years ago. Let it go. It's gone. Mm -hmm. You can't right. rewrite history. You cannot change history. Right. All you can do is learn from maybe things that you've done wrong, uh, learn not to, to do the same mistakes again. However, in a humorous setting, that being said, some mistakes are too much fun to make only once. Wow, be I'm yourself. Be yourself is what I would yourself. say. Don't try, and, don't try and be somebody that you're not. It's no good, for example, saying... Um, our club president, Haritosh, is the next Mark Best in president. No, that's not right, because Haritosh is his own person, the same as I'm my own person. So we have to put our own stamp on, on everything that we do and make it our own. I hope that's uh, of some help. So, sorry, Mark. Yeah, that was, I was on mute. So, yeah, this is the world of 21st century where we go on mute and keep on speaking. So, sorry about that. But yeah, definitely, this is uh, really, really inspiring for any any individual. Be yourself and and uh, and try to aspire. But yeah, don't don't try to be somebody else. Otherwise, it won't help. Uh, thank you okay. for that. In, in addition to that, uh, uh -huh. am I okay for time? Are we all right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go uh, ahead. Go ahead, please. In addition to that, um, don't let other people drive your ship. Okay, I'm using a metaphor here. Mm -hmm. You have to be in charge of your own ship. You are in charge right. to a certain extent of your own destiny. I just want to relay a story of what happened when I was younger. Mm -hmm. uh, I was camping with my family. And one of the things that we did sometimes do after, after dinner was to play cricket, which is literally messing about with a tennis ball and uh, hitting it quite a long way and uh, running around trying to uh, stop other people from scoring runs as you would do in cricket. I was only about uh, 13 years old at the time. And I said to this uh, very cocksure young man who reckoned he knew everything, I said, uh, it's uh, probably my turn to, uh, to have a bowl, isn't it? It's my turn yeah. to bowl the ball, isn't it? Don't be stupid, mate. You can't bowl, you're blind. I said, James, just go to the batting area, go mm -hmm. to the crease, and, and just hold the bat, will you? So I, I bowled the first two balls deliberately wide. 
Mm -hmm. oh, I told you you couldn't do it. You're blind. <laughs> told you you can't do that, James. Just, just let's see what happens. Just zip it for a bit, eh? Mm -hmm. The third ball, I altered the traje trajectory by changing the, the way that I was delivering the ball. Mm -hmm. The ball went off his bat and straight into his stumps. Wow. <laughs> he said, I suppose you're going to tell me you want to have a bat now. I said, yeah, you're learning, James. You're learning fast. <laughs> Come on, then. First, yes, most of the time I did miss the ball because it was only a tennis ball. Mm -hmm. But on one very lucky occasion, the ball just brushed my arm and I swung to bat at the ball and I think they found it in the next field. Wow. <laughs> and I said to James, don't you ever tell me that I can't do something because I'm blind. Take that with mm. you and learn by it because I will do it, albeit in a different way, I will achieve things that anybody can achieve just because I'm blind. That does not mean I'm, I'm a, a doormat and unable to do things that you guys would do. He, we never had any, any problems with him after that. He was very mm -hmm. sort of muted and more respectful. But that's mm -hmm. what it took. It took a lesson in life to, to teach him that. Wow, wow. I think this, what you just said was actually gold. Uh, just because you're blind, you don't have to be uh, treated like a doormat. That is in, indeed an eye-opening for a lot of people who's going to listen this. And thank you for sharing that. This is such an inspiring story. And, and this is what I was looking forward to. So thank you for that. Now, okay. you, al you already talked about a few things that you want to uh, see and, and, and learn. Now, what do you currently do? And what is your business? And, and this is chance for you to talk about your business and what people can contact you for well i already mentioned that i am a piano tuner yeah so i go out to people's houses to make sure that their pianos sound better when i leave the house than, than they did when i arrived at the house mm -hmm. uh, not always possible with very old pianos sometimes they're only fit for firewood uh, mm -hmm. which reminds me that we have bonfire night coming up on the 5th of november mm -hmm. uh, and there are some pianos just out there waiting to be burnt. <laughs> but there are also some wonderful pianos that need a little bit of TLC and uh, uh, love and attention. And my role is to try and make those pianos sound happier. So, mm -hmm. yep, I'm a piano tuner. Sometimes I do light repairs on pianos. Uh, but most of my work is in, in private houses. Sometimes I go into schools. Mm -hmm. uh, very occasionally I've been into a concert venue, but mostly it's, it's houses. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I also uh, work as a disability awareness lecturer. I give talks on how to cope with being blind. So that's mainly to youth groups, church groups, or uh, I was a couple of times been asked to talk to some Masons uh, mm -hmm. about being blind. And uh, I had a very favorable response from, from Masons groups. So it's all about uh, enjoying life, uh, promoting yourself, um, being happy to answer strange questions. I love talking to children. Yeah. When you talk to children, they don't have any barriers. Absolutely. They're exactly what you see. They even ask you if you can drive a car. <laughs> it's lovely. So, yeah, <laughs> children are great fun. They, they put you on the spot, and it's Absolutely. really good talking to children. So sure. That's really what I do. Socially, mm -hmm. I belong to British Blind Sports 10-pin bowling. Mm -hmm. uh, once a week I, I join my teammates and we have a bit of a bowl around and 
twice a year we're going to finals tournaments in Sheffield, which is all good fun. Mm-hmm. I play the trombone in a silver band in just outside Basingstoke, where I live in Hampshire mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. UK. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you're probably going to ask, how do you learn the music if you're blind? Well, I'm mm-hmm. very fortunate in that I can memorise music quite easily. First time we play the piece, I don't actually play it. If it's a new piece, I've never heard it before, I'll just sit and listen mm-hmm. so that I can absorb geographically what is happening in the piece. Uh, mm-hmm. Then maybe if we play the piece a bit more often, I gradually come in if I feel confident and, and, and play it. This only works, of course, if I have a reliable trombone player sitting next to me. Right. But music has always been a very integral part of my life. Mm-hmm. I can do um, so, yeah. yeah. And of course, I join this this uh, motley crew of Toastmasters every uh, couple of weeks, <laughs> and we have a have a bit yep. of fun uh, giving mm-hmm. speeches and evaluations and uh, making entertainment for each other. Absolutely. No, thank you, Mark. This was really a remarkable interview, and and we loved and we learned, and we also had a lot of gold nuggets to say. So thank you so much once again for for being part of this show. So thank you. You're very welcome. So this was inspirational interview with Mark Best. As I say every time, we will have some more interviews lined up. But until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep going out of your comfort zone. This is Aritosh, and I'll be back with another episode of Inspirational Interviews. Take care. Stay safe. Hey guys, this is going to be a very, very short episode. It's not even, I don't even call it episode. It's going to be a short segment. But this is, a, this is a small announcement. So my book, Small Town, Bigger Dreams, which is also the name of this podcast. I'm so excited to share that the paperback version is now available for pre-order on Amazon India site i know it it's took so many months so many iteration so many back and forth but i'm so excited it's finally finally available so if you are interested to know those 21 principles that has helped this small town guy achieving his bigger dreams please go and check out and order your book now yes now <laughs> And do share with your friends, families or anyone, especially people from small town who need to know this lesson, who need to know how they can learn in life, how they can proceed in their life. So please, please, please help this share across. I want to make this a movement. Also, like Kindle version, any physical copy of my books, if any of the copy of my book is sold i will be sponsoring two people's food at change with one meal foundation run by mr kiran verma amazing amazing initiative so yeah please if not for me please help for his change with one meal foundation please book it and i'll be really really honored to help you in your journey so thank you so much as i said it's going to be a really short and short episode or announcement so 
until next time keep learning keep growing and keep going out of your comfort zone grab your copy now